listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another podcast week. It's Monday. It's good to have you back on the podcast. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. I'm excited about this week. Uh, It's going to be another great one. And uh, a couple of things I want to say right at the top of the podcast is, um, number one, if you haven't done this already, I wanted to encourage you guys to download and follow me on an app called Mixler, M-I-X-L-R, Mixler. And what that app is, It's an app that allows you to broadcast live audio, and we're going to use that here in the near future to do some live podcasts, and uh, there'll be interactive podcasts, by the way, uh, that you can write in. There's a comment section right under the uh, broadcast as we're doing uh, the live audio, and if you've ever joined us on Facebook Live or you've ever watched Facebook Live videos, it's very much the same except just for audio and uh, for these podcast-style platforms. I want to do some interactive podcasts with you guys and uh, talk to you, maybe maybe do some question and answer sessions, things like that. So I want to encourage you to download in the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store that app called Mixler, M-I-X-L-R. And when you get it, uh, do a search for my account. It's just Ted Shuttlesworth, my full name, Ted Shuttlesworth, and you'll find my account on there. And I want to invite you to join me. And then in the upcoming weeks, um, I'm going to announce a date that we're going to do this live podcast session. And we're going to do a bunch of them. So it's not going to just be one time, but um, it's really nice because we can interact through this same medium without having any delay in time or waiting for messages to come through on Instagram or email or whatever. We can talk right then and there. And uh, I think it's going to be great. So I want to invite you to join me um, on that. And then also let me say that uh, coming up this week on Thursday, if you're not listening to this, um, obviously in the week that it came out, then disregard this information. But coming up this Thursday, we're going to be at Valor Christian College, Pastor Rod Parsley's school in Columbus, Ohio at World Harvest Church. And uh, we're going to be live streaming that service at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Thursday morning. And uh, so I want to encourage you guys to be a part of that as well. This is going to be phenomenal, uh, these live podcast sessions. I'm really excited about it. And uh, if you don't know, obviously, we're also broadcasting live every Monday through Friday on Facebook at 10.30 a.m. So we'd love to have you join us there as well. My wife and I um, have been teaching every single day on different topics, taking questions, taking testimonies too. People are being touched by the power of God. So we're extremely excited about all that God is doing. Today, I wanna give you something that, um, as you saw last week, we've been kind of been on a topic about the end times. And... Um, Today, I wanted to give you a podcast title in that, that's going to be dealing with three shocking signs that we are living in the last days. Three shocking signs that we are living in the last days. And um, I actually believe it's even later than that. Like when people say to me, do you believe we're living in the last days or you know whatever? I'm like, no, I, I honestly believe that we're living in the last minutes 
I mean, I believe that's how close we are to the rapture of the church. And if you listen to last week's episode on Monday, you'll know that I, I gave you uh, five reasons why I believe that we as the church will be raptured before the tribulation ever begins. I believe that we are not appointed unto God's wrath, that we are going to be divinely protected from the wrath that is the tribulation. And uh, so I believe that uh, before that ever begins, we will be out of here, meaning that we're closer than we've ever been uh, to the end of time. And, and one of the reasons I say that, and I'm going to give you three shocking and I say they're shocking because um, they're happening around us. And it's it's blatant. Like literally, it's blatant. Um, people aren't trying to hide their Antichrist agenda anymore. I mean, literally, they're not even attempting to hide their Antichrist agenda. It's like back in the day, people used to try to do these things behind closed doors. It was secret. You know, but no, today it's broadcasted on, on live television, online, on social platforms, and people are not ashamed. And I'm telling you that these signs that I'm going to give you today, three of them are going to prove to you from Bible prophecy that we're living in the last moments of time. So why am I doing a podcast on this subject? Well, if you don't understand that we're living in the final moments of time, then it would be easy for people to become complacent or to get lazy in their Christianity. But one of the things that Bible prophecy does for us as believers is that it always keeps within our heart an urgency, not just to serve the Lord and to live holy and separated, set apart from the things of this world, but also to get busy doing what Jesus called us to do in the Great Commission, to get busy accomplishing the purpose of God on our lives and to see souls saved before it's too late. That sense of urgency, you know, it is a doctrine that the Pentecostal church has preached and believed for years, and they called it the imminent return of Christ the imminent return of Christ, that every day we live like Jesus could come today. That's literally what that means, that we believe that at any moment his return is imminent, meaning we live not expecting 50 years to go by before Jesus comes. We live like he's coming today for us. And um, the reason that we teach and believe that is because the Bible teaches it, that no man knows the day or the hour of Christ's return. And uh, in fact, Jesus said only the father knows these things, which means angels have no, no idea about the timeline. And Christ himself said that he did not know, but only the father knows these things. And when he comes, the Bible teaches us he'll be coming like a thief in the night, meaning that without warning, Christ will come. And I'm talking about the rapture right now. Christ will come without warning and he will take his people home to be with him in heaven. The Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. And then those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. And then we will uh, go back with him to heaven and the tribulation will begin on the earth. But when that happens, we'll have no warning. Do you know there are no signs that the rapture is going to take place? The rapture, as the Bible teaches it, is a signless coming. 
and, and referencing those verses that I just quoted to you, that Christ will come like a thief in the night, that no man knows the day or the hour. The, the, there are no signs of the rapture, but there are many signs of the second coming of Christ, which takes place after the tribulation on God's timeline. So the rapture of the church takes place and then a seven-year tribulation where God pours out his wrath on those who have rejected Jesus Christ. And then when that tribulation period comes to an end, then we see the second coming of Jesus Christ. And at that time, we will return to the earth with Jesus Christ and we will rule and reign with him for a thousand years. That's called the millennium. So that's just a short timeline of what end times prophecy looks like. So there are no signs for the rapture. I mean, it just takes place when people are least expecting it. And Jesus will come like a thief in the night and take us home. But this is interesting and important to know that there are many signs for the second coming of Christ. And if you study that in Matthew chapter 24 and 25, Jesus is teaching and prophesying about his second coming. Matthew 24 and 25 are not about the rapture. If you've ever read those things, they're about the second coming of Christ, which has many signs that precede it. And this, the crazy thing is this, if we are already seeing the signs of his second coming, which we are, by the way, then how much closer are we to the rapture of the church? I heard one man explain it like this one time. He said, uh, if you didn't know what the date was, if you had no idea, let's say, for example, you just woke up out of a coma, you'd been in a coma for 20 years, woke up, had no idea of the date, didn't know what year, whatever, but you go to a store and they tell you, well, Thanksgiving has not happened yet, but you look at the shelves and you start seeing that they're already selling Christmas decorations and Christmas um, you know, stuff. If you see that on the shelves and you're like, well, hold on. The workers just told me Thanksgiving hasn't even taken place, but you can see that they're selling Christmas things. That should show you that you're that much closer to Thanksgiving because you're seeing the signs for Christmas already. And in the same way, because we've not seen the rapture yet, but we're already seeing the signs for the second coming, it should let us know that we're that much closer to the rapture of the church. So let's get into this today. The three shocking signs that we are living in the last days. The first one that I want to direct your attention to is a sign that we're going to read from Matthew chapter 24. And I want to begin reading from uh, verse 10 and I'll read through verse 13. The Bible says, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So do you see that? The first shocking sign that we're living in the last days is the Bible says that many will turn away from Christ. And then you go down to verse 12. Not only will sin be rampant everywhere, but the love of many will grow cold. So a generation where their love for God and their love for Christ has grown cold and that they've turned away from Jesus Christ. 
Well, I want to show you something today. These are actual statistics that were found by Pew Research Group, one of the most respected research institutions that we have. And when they were studying religion, even in America, through the past six generations that have existed on the earth, these are their findings. That as you go back all the way to uh, what they call the silent generation and the greatest generation and the baby boomers, and you come all the way down through, you know, generation X, the and then what they have, the older millennials, and then what they call the younger millennials, and then Gen Y. You know what they found? I mean, I'm just going to give you five of their findings. That if you go down through those generations, going what, six or seven generations back, that the generation that's alive on the earth right now, by actual answers to polls, this generation has the least belief that God exists than any other generation over the past 100 or 150 years. They have the least belief that religion is of importance to a person's life than any other generation in the last 150 years. They have the least church attendance than any other generation. They have the least amount of time spent in prayer than any other generation. And they have the least amount of time in reading the Bible than any other generation over the last 150 years. So think about those five things. The least belief that God exists, the least belief that religion is important in the life of a person, the least church attendance, the least amount of time spent in prayer, and the least amount of time spent reading the Bible. That is a clear picture right there of somebody's love growing cold. That's a clear picture of people that are falling away. And why is this happening? Well, obviously, um, if you look back, you can even see this modeled in the Old Testament when they were getting ready to go into the promised land and God spoke and he said, listen, here's what you've got to do. You've got to make sure that when you go into the promised land that you'll see the pagan people that are living in there, but don't marry them, tear down their altars, tear down their idols, tear down their statues and their and their poles, which were called Asherah poles. He said, tear them all down and don't intermingle with them. And he said, uh, and I'll be your God and you'll be my people. But they didn't do what God said. And they did intermarry and intermingle with the pagans. They did not tear down their altars, their statues, their temples. They left them up and some of them became a part of that belief system. And the Bible says in only one generation, another generation rose up that did not know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It only took one generation for people to lose what previous generations had. And as you look at these statistics that Pew Research Group has found, you can see that just over the last six or seven generations that the love has been growing colder and colder. And this is because not only is Bible prophecy being fulfilled, but how is it being fulfilled? Because of the fact that... uh each subsequent generation that rises up has less of a love for God than the previous generation. And obviously that's not true across the board. We're dealing with percentages here, but the majority that the research shows it here, the majority of people in America 
the next generation loves God less than the previous. And I, I honestly believe that because the Bible is true, the Bible te- teaches us that if we will train our children up in the way they should go, that when they're old, they won't depart from it. So something has happened uh, in a chain reaction of coldness growing in people's hearts to where something was not modeled properly to their children. And as a result, let's say six generations back that, that America, you know, there was a fire of God, you know, and an awakening in their hearts. But something happened to where they didn't transfer that fully to their children. Well, now the next generation is dealing with um, a loss of what the previous generation had. And then when they raise their children up, there's even more of a loss to the point where Bible prophecy is fulfilled that people continually are growing cold. And now we're in a generation that in the last 150 years on ranking on every statistic, they're ranking lower than any previous generation before them. This is a sign that we're living in the final moments of time. The love of many is growing cold. Many are falling away. Even there's preachers now, you know, that are getting into trouble, that are mainstream preachers that are preaching that the Bible is no longer the final authority, that the Bible is no longer the final word on life and uh, getting called out by their denominations and, you know, slapped on the wrist and having to write articles in Christian magazines to, um, you know, to uh, clarify what they meant when they were preaching that. And it's crazy. We're living in a generation. It's not just people that are growing cold. Ministers of the gospel are growing cold and are falling away even from the Holy Ghost and the move of the Spirit, that we're living in a day where we have church planting organizations that are uh, advising people to not use their Sunday morning services to minister to those that are in need of spiritual help that we shouldn't you you know we shouldn't use those services to pray for the sick or the broken or the hurting or get people filled with the holy ghost and don't speak in tongues because that's not what Sundays are for and you know it, it's literally a doctrine a teaching that's being created uh that is kicking the holy spirit out of his own house that he can't manifest in the way that he wants to in his own house because people have become embarrassed or ashamed or maybe they've become pressured for money and you know they have a mortgage payment on their church that they can't even afford so they can't afford for people to become offended and leave the church so they've created as streamlined of a service as they can that's not offensive that nothing's going to happen that's going to make people uncomfortable and as a result because of people's lack of faith we are now experiencing a generation that's rising up that doesn't know about these things that doesn't know about miracles signs and wonders and the infilling and baptism of the holy spirit and it's just a sign This is a sign that Jesus predicted in Matthew chapter 24 that would take place before the second coming of Christ, not just the rapture, but if it's already happening and we're already seeing it, how much closer are we to the coming of Jesus Christ in the rapture? I'm telling you, it's right around the corner. Number two, number one, the the love of many will grow cold. Number two, the second sign 
that we're living in the final moments of time is extreme sexual perversion. Extreme sexual perversion. What do I mean by that? Well, Jesus prophesied in uh, Luke chapter 17 and verse 28, he said, and the world, talking about when the son of man returns, the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. That's Abraham's nephew. The world will be as it was in the days of Lot. Well, what, what was the world like in the days of Lot? Let's read from Genesis 19. This is before God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah with fire from heaven because of the perversion of those cities. But let me just show you, if you've never seen this before, how perverse those cities actually were. Genesis chapter 19, verses one through eight. Listen to this. The Bible says, then that evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom. And Lot was sitting there. And when he saw them, he stood up to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed with his face to the ground. My lords, he said, come to my home to wash your feet and be my guests for the night. You may then get up early in the morning and be on your way again. Oh no, they replied. We'll just spend the night out here in the city square. But Lot insisted. So at last they went home with him and Lot prepared a feast for them complete with fresh bread made without yeast, and they ate. Now look at this. This is insane. Verse four, but before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, not some, not the LGBT community, not just a small select few, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. And they shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. Are you seeing that? The, every man in the city surrounded Lot's house and demanded that they send the angels out that they thought were just men so that they could gang rape those two angels. That was what was in their heart. They wanted to gang rape the two men that were sent into Lot's house. Now look at this. And, uh, they, and, and so Lot stepped outside, verse six, to talk to them and shutting the door behind him. He said, please, my brothers, don't do such a wicked thing. Verse eight, look, Lot says, I have two virgin daughters. Let me bring them out to you. And you can do with them as you wish. That is insane. But please leave these men alone for they're under my protection and they're my guests. What kind of a wicked mindset? And see, Lot was in covenant with God, which is the only reason those angels came there to save him. The only reason those angels came to take him and his family out of the town before the town was destroyed. And the Bible says that Lot had been hanging around that evil anti-God mindset for so long that number one, he called these men his brothers. What business does Lot have calling these evil, perverse men his brothers? They're not his brothers. And then he says, I have two virgin daughters. Don't touch the angels, but I'll send my daughters out the door. Can you imagine 
telling an entire city full of men, an entire city full of men, I have two virgin daughters. I'm going to throw them out the front door. And then you guys, all of the men in the city can do whatever you want with my daughters. That is insane and evil. And Jesus said that before the son of man returns, it will be like it was in Lot's day. This story shows us what it was like in Lot's day. Extreme sexual perversion. All of the men of the city saw these men and said, send them out here so that we can all have sex with them. Homosexuality was raging in the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lesbianism was raging in the twin cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Rape was raging in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. I want you to see that this extreme sexual perversion was a sign, according to Christ, that the Son of Man was getting re- or is getting ready to return to the earth. We're seeing it literally everywhere we look, that it used to be different. If people had preferences, if they did certain things, they did it, um, you know, behind closed doors. They did it, um, you know, secretly. But now, now it's being done publicly and no one's ashamed. They're just doing what they feel, doing what they want, scoffing in God's face. It's a sign that Jesus is getting ready to come back. They're literally trying to push this mindset on our children at a very young age, pushing it. They're pushing it at young ages in our public schools. They're teaching sex education and the curriculum is starting to get more and more perverse and evil. And they're teaching. I just saw a report that in the United Kingdom, they will now teach sexual education beginning at five years old and parents will not be allowed to opt out their children from this sexual education and the children's books. My cousin tweeted this, uh, this article uh, this week, children's books like my princess boy will be taught at 11 years old and children, students will discuss what's the difference between transvestite and transsexual. Literally uh, my princess boy teaching about how a father has a son who's gay and he's encouraging his homosexuality and his son you know, uh, a, a storybook about penguins, you know, two boy penguins. It's called Tango Makes Three, a story of two gay penguins for primary schoolers, published by Simon and Schuster. Are you hearing me? That's that's a major publication house, Simon and Schuster, publishing Tango Makes Three, a story of two gay penguins for primary schoolers. I mean, literally, Roy and Silo, the two gay penguins. And we're going to teach it at five years old, at 11 years old. There's shows on television now for our kids on, you know, on, on, you know, Disney. Things on Nickelodeon, Nick Jr. Where they're, where they're showing kids with same sex parents. And that's what they want our kids to watch because they want to brainwash the next generation into thinking anything you want to do is okay to let a spirit of perversion Take our generation, take our children more than ever before. These sexual 
perversions. Now, I'm, I'm saying this. I'm going to do a podcast soon on um, things that I want to say to every homosexual. I'm not, I don't hate homosexuals. I'm not angry. You know, I don't go to the Westboro Baptist Church. I love homosexuals. I love lesbians. I love every person in the LGBTQ community. Love them all. I don't want to see them harmed. I don't want to see them in hell. But they, you know, you come to a place where you have to understand that those actions are sinful and sin will kill whatever it touches. Sin will kill whatever it touches. Sin will end up bringing you to hell by the end of your life. And so I have a love for people and I want to see them saved by the power of Jesus Christ. I want to see them changed. But what we're seeing in America and around the world, this extreme sexual perversion, it's just a sign. Pornography is off the charts today. Literally, pornography. Do you want to know? I mean, like, <laughs> I know that people don't kind of really study these things anymore, but when I tell you that pornography is off the charts, <laughs> I'm telling you it's insane. Let me give you a few statistics on, on this. 20% <laughs> of all Mobile searches on the internet are for pornography. One out of every five mobile searches on the internet every day is for porn. One point in the year of 2015, 1.3 billion searches for pornography on the internet. 1.3 billion. Listen to this. This will blow your mind. You talk about love of many growing cold. 64% of Christians admit to watching pornography at least once a month, okay? 90% of boys and 60% of girls see pornography before the age of 18, and the average age that they see pornography is 12. Are you hearing me? 30, I'm just showing you some statistics. 35% of Kids that are between 12 and 14 are sexually active. 35% of 12 to 14-year-olds in this country are sexually active. 46% of kids ages 15 to 19 are sexually active. Almost half the teenage population is having sex. Sexual perversion. See, because when I say sexual perversion, I'm not just talking about homosexuality. I'm not just talking about lesbianism. or uh, No, I'm talking about fornication that God did not design. Adultery, which God did not design. So you understand, these things are happening all around us at a rate that has never been seen before in the history of time. And it's a sign that Jesus Christ is getting ready to come back to this earth and to rapture his people to take us home. It's just a sign. You hear what I'm saying today? It's just a sign that Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth. So number one, we see the love of many will grow cold. That's the first sign. And number two, extreme sexual perversion. Let me finish with number three. And that is this, extreme violence and hate extreme violence and hate. Luke chapter 17 and verse 26, the Bible says, when the son of man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. 
So not just in Lot's day, but it'll also be like it was in Noah's day. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, listen. Now God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. And God observed all this corruption in the world for everyone on the earth was corrupt. The earth was corrupt, verse 11, and filled with violence. And God said, that's what it's going to be like again before Jesus Christ returns in the second coming. So you think about the fact that more than ever before, I mean, like, and it, and it doesn't have to do with uh, the fact that, you know, how, how our media is being delivered to us and, and syndicated because we've had satellite TV for a long time. You know, it's not like satellite TV is new in the last two years. We've had, I mean, I remember when I was a little kid, people had satellite dishes back then, you know, 25 years ago, 20 years ago. So it's not like it's new, but there has been uh, a ramping up of violent actions that have been taken all around the world terrorist actions we're seeing it like never before not it's not that we've never here listen to me it's not that we've never seen terrorist actions in history before that's that would be stupid to say of course we've seen terrorist actions but never before have we seen them with such frequency as we're seeing them now it seems like every time you turn on the news there's a different act of terrorism or aggression or violence that's being reported at a large scale. I remember looking at a, and I don't have these statistics on hand, but I remember looking at a um, a chart by Pew Research Group one year, and they showed the entire calendar of the year, 365 days. And of the 365 days, I think it was something like there were only like 40 some days where there wasn't a mass shooting in America uh, where, where five or more people died. 365 days and only 40 of them. That means 320 something days of the year we had a mass shooting somewhere in this country. Acts of violence. And the Bible says that's a prophetic sign that Jesus Christ is getting ready to come back again. Violence throughout the earth. I mean, you start just getting into the, the um, you just start getting into talking about abortion where it's gone recently, where you've seen people laughing and smiling like they've won a victory as they sign these bills in New York, you know, where, where babies can be aborted all the way to the end of the third trimester. And they're laughing and, and you know, like they've won a victory. Wicked people who love violence and to destroy human life. You know, it's insane how in Virginia, that governor wanted to pass a bill, thank God it got voted down, where a mother could deliver a child and put it on the warming bed and then have a discussion with the surgeon about whether or not she wants to abort the child. The child is out of the womb and laying on an abortion or laying on a, a warming bed as they talk about abortion. Extreme violence has filled the hearts of men. The fact that people no longer value life like they used to, human life, is a sign 
that Jesus Christ is getting ready to come back. When people begin to value the lives of animals more than they do the lives of humans, it is a perverse sign that we're living in the final moments of time where, you know, I'm going to a a restaurant where they will no longer serve you with plastic straws, but you have to have a paper straw that will disintegrate in the water so that turtles can, I mean, this is what they told us, so that turtles will not be killed in the ocean by these straws. Meanwhile, we're aborting babies at a rate that is unprecedented, but I have to have a, 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 a paper straw so that a turtle can keep its life. People care about turtles. We're changing everything, spending more money at our restaurants. Spending, I'm sure that that cost a ton of money to make that change across the board so that turtles can keep their lives. But we're aborting babies at an unprecedented rate. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We're living in a day where people value the lives of animals who have no spirit over humans that are created in the likeness and the image of God. And that is a demonic, that's a sign of the devil. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief comes for no other reason than to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. At the end of this podcast today, I'm going to pray. I gave you these things so that you could clearly see where we're at in the timeline of prophecy, that Christ is truly getting ready to return to this earth to rapture his church and the tribulation will begin. And if you're not ready today, you need to be ready. But if you are ready, you need to get busy more than ever before doing what God has called you to do and what he's anointed you to do, which is to win souls for the kingdom of God. Father, I pray for every man and every woman listening to the podcast today. I pray in Jesus' name that from this day, you would give them a boldness and an urgency and a fire to stand up and do what you've called them to do, to say what you've called them to say. Don't let us be ashamed. Don't let us be timid. Don't let us walk in fear. But in the mighty name of Jesus, I ask you that you would use us today. Use us today in a new way to touch this generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to bring souls in before it's too late. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you and we give you praise. Amen. If you're listening to this podcast today and you don't know where you would spend eternity, if you're listening, say, you know what? There's sin in my life. And I think if Jesus came today, I would not be ready for heaven. I don't know that he's my Lord and I don't know that heaven is my home. I'm not sure where I stand with God. Don't finish this podcast knowing that you're not saved. Pray this prayer with me now and God will turn your life around through the power of Jesus Christ and you will be a child of God. Pray this with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for sending your son to die for me. I confess that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. From this day, I ask you to take my life, make it your own. I will live for you. I will serve you. I will obey you. Thank you, Lord. I am a new creation because of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to get in touch with me. Here's what I want you to do. Go to miracleword.com. That's miracleword.com. Click the button that says, I just got saved. 
and watch that video and then send me a message to let me know you prayed that prayer. We're going to send something to you absolutely free. A brand new Bible, if you don't have one, you can understand, along with some other materials that will help you take next steps in your life with Christ. I love you so much and thank you. Thank you for serving the Lord. I love every one of you that are watching, or excuse me, listening to the podcast today. And listen, I want to tell you that now's the time to get busy in your purpose. Don't become a zombie. Don't go on cruise control through life. Live on purpose and do what God's called you to do. Great things are ahead. Listen, until next time, don't forget, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com.